0: This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where this month they're celebrating Italian month at Zupan's and uh, there's something going on every week. So if you're listening to this podcast a little later in the month, check into Zupan's.com and see what's happening at any time you can do that. But if you're listening to this this week when this particular episode releases, you're going to be able to run into Zupan's through Sunday, March 13th and save 20% on Italian wines. So they feature 20 distinct growing regions each with its own flagship wine style. And of course, Italian wine is loved for its diversity and food friendliness. Zupans is proud to carry, listen to this, over 500 Italian wine labels. Uh, That's pretty prolific. And uh, Mm -hmm. tonight, I'm going to be enjoying some of those um, where we're going to the Sicilian dinner at Zupans. I'm really happy about that.
1: Nobody takes uh, Italian month as serious as Zupans. So if you haven't been into Zupans recently, you, you get there and uh as you you talked about not just the wine but italian products are scattered about in a very organized way but literally everywhere you look inside the uh the three different locations you're gonna find something great from italy
0: right and include yeah i was gonna say you can you can check out recipes for those too online
1: yeah Yep, yep. I've been a big fan of the recipes. I've been uh, introducing new meals into our family's uh, dinner schedules, and a lot of them have been coming from Zupans. Or if you know if next time you want to schedule your Zupans shop, maybe do it when they've got these great weekend wine tastings going on. So uh, do yourself a favor. Go to Zupans.com. They've got them all listed there. Or better yet, make sure you are on. The news feed where you get a uh, weekly email, sometimes even more frequently when great things are going on, that will break all of uh, all of this down for you. So, for example, this weekend at Burnside, uh, great stuff going on Friday and Saturday, Lake Oswego, Saturday and Sunday. There's all sorts of different ones. I can't list them all. Zupans.com is where you get all the information.
0: So those, you know, I always have a fun time because I should know all the Italian pronunciations. I've <laughs> certainly tried to uh, study the language through an app. But let's try these featured recipes right now because it's not all about the pronunciation. It's about the flavor and the experience. Cacio e Pepe, uh, of course, one of Italy's most famous dishes. And they've got wine pairing recommendations on Zupan's website. And, of course, the wine experts at Zupan's can make those uh, suggestions for you as well in the store. We've got Buc- Bucatini a la matriciana they have that and a wine pairing of Sangiovese, and uh, of course one of my favorites papardella fungi and uh, that's a vegetarian pasta dish that will satisfy even meat eaters with decadent mushrooms savory herbs and fresh garlic check out that recipe at
1: zupans.com or at any one of the three stores court yep west burnside lake oswego and McAdam. Okay, here it is. Time once again. It's Portland's food scene podcast. It's right at the fork with your host Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures, and I'm Court Johnson from Portland Radio Kink.fm. FM.
0: Court, it's always beautiful. Um, I love spring, my favorite time of year, and it and it's there. There's no question as to why today one would not love spring. It's nice out there. Oh sure. That's the weather report we yeah. promised we weren't going to do. <laughs>
1: Well, this is. it was more of a uh, a seasonal update as we're in the waning days of winter, right. as I like to call it. Uh, it's very spring-like. In fact, I saw in downtown Portland the other day, uh, the cherry blossoms down on the waterfront are starting to happen, which is one of my favorite times of year.
0: Right, and it's when I see on my Facebook f- memories feed all the things blossoming that, and birds tweeting that I've talked about over the yep. years. So that's very nice and of course this weekend is uh, we go into daylight savings time or is it the opposite? I don't remember. We're, no, we, we're going
1: Yeah, we're going into it.
0: Right, okay. So yeah. <laughs> I'm only I'm only in my 60s and I don't know, you know, which one is daylight savings time and which one is it's is not. It, it
1: does it doesn't make sense, Chris. There's no reason in today's age why we should even be doing this.
0: I know. It's and you know, yeah. they made the move a few years ago to move it from april into march why didn't they just go all the way i don't i don't well
1: my my understanding chris is that technically speaking in oregon at least and i know a few other states the the legislation has passed that would take them basically we would adopt daylight savings time year-round so basically the time we're going to go into would be the time always right but something else has to happen i think on the federal level and they just haven't uh i guess maybe like a pandemic and you know now that we're at war or there's war yeah, in, the, something in the world they're just other other priorities have come up but like i i don't know i you know i'm almost willing to uh, this might be controversial but i almost think we should go to a two time zone country where we we basically just have East Coast, West Coast, and and absorb Central and Mountain into the you know that I mean because it's crazy that New York is three hours ahead of us and and into, again in today's age there's no reason for that.
0: Well, I don't know about that, but they, because they have the sun up and sundown. You're, you're trying to keep that at least a little consistent, so people are going to. Chris, I still can't believe that people are still complaining about that hour that they lose. I just it, right, it's unbelievable to me that that is a
1: something to bitch about. You just, well, again, you know. that should that should go away. But I'm just saying, time is a construct. It, we just got to retrain our brain. What does it matter? What does it matter? What time it is?
0: you're if talking to a The sun, goes, a up, guy the sun who, goes
1: down. You're talking to a guy who collects watches. Well, I'm 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 saying time would still be there, but why does it? Why should it matter if? If you know, because again, it would take some adjustments, and I, I'm really going to push for this, this two time zone America. But like, what what time? What does it matter if if? Sure, the sun comes up at 4 a.m. Who cares? Here's why it matters because Just people adjust. have to
0: start work at a certain hour, and if it's dark, you, it's going to be tougher. And think about restaurants. I I know I plan things around sunsets and all that. I mean, we're going to turn into what Spain, where we're having dinner at 11 o'clock or one of the, no, I, one I'm of the just time saying, zones is
1: well who cares what time it is you just start scheduling times around <laughs> when you when you want to do them and i mean you're you're an you're an east original east coast guy right. who came to the west coast but for a long while you were still doing business with people on the east coast for a good chunk of the time you've been out, you were out here and think about how easier it would be. You wouldn't have to do that calculation in your brain. Yeah. You wouldn't be, cause I get a certain what, point in have, the afternoon. That's
0: why I have two time zone watches. I want to be able to use okay. those. And, <laughs> and right. not it's only that, it's all about the watches. It's not, it's not all about this country. I I make calls to Spain and, and Italy. And, and uh, those are nine hours difference. How are you going to get the whole planet on board with this? And you're going to have to have new different time zones anyway. So, just I say leave it the same and just go to daylight savings time year right. round and <laughs> Baby call steps. it time.
1: Baby steps. Baby
0: steps. That's right. You think I don't think you can get everybody on board. So uh, I don't know. There, there's
1: there's, cra- there's, cra- there's crazier things out there, Chris. There's parts of Australia that are that have time zones that are on the half hours that they've got. They have set up. I think up, they so have that, that like
0: in Indiana too, and then Arizona. I used to live yeah. there and I had family there. How, they don't do it. So uh, you have to remember yeah. which one they're on if they're two or three hours difference from the East Coast.
1: Trust, trust me on this. The more you think about my two time zone plan, the more <laughs> you're going to like it, Chris. And when I run for president, you know, in twenty some odd years, that'll be my main uh, agenda.
0: I will vote for you with that agenda or not. So oh, there we go. Very, you don't need that nice. for me to vote for you, Court. So.
1: Sure, oh, I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> so, uh, as long as we're on the subject, as we're ta- we—I just mentioned calling Spain in Italy. I just wanted to mention yeah. that uh, I've been calling Spain because we're going. Portland Food Adventures is going on our trip with the folks from Erdeneta in April. Oh my gosh, we still have. We could. We still may be able to accommodate two people. April starting April twenty fourth i believe yes and then i should know that and then but we have trips in uh september we have a trip with room in september with my the most wonderful italian guide you can imagine austria ensign here from portland and previously italy and before that montana um and we 're going to Sicily on September sixteenth and that is an incredible trip that is rounding out our our previous east coast uh, east Sicily trip we 're doing West Sicily, which is Palermo. Atiche, uh, Agrigento, and some parts in between, and uh, it'll be a wonderful trip. I got room there. Contact me if you're interested in going, and I can uh, I can make it work for you. Let's put it that way. So, uh, and also cu- upcoming two raft trips on the Snake River. One with our the first one is with Leaf Gildersleeve Sleeve at uh, from Flying Fish, and that's July seventeenth for four days. That guy's the consummate fisherman and fishmonger in portland and that's a real treat we did it last year sold out and it'll sell out again and this one you can't miss with ringsides jonathan gill the chef at ringside and he went last year and we had uh, ringside steaks riverside and really a fun time with about oh 15 16 people uh enjoy it so all those are, you can take a look at them at portlandfoodadventures.com under the trips you can book tab and let me know. So there's that with the self-promotion and uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Court, I always say to me, they are not so much promotion, but public service announcements because of yeah. uh, the great trips. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing them if I didn't think they were great
1: right so right you got you got you got more important things to do with your time
0: well i don't know about that but we <laughs> have we have uh we're in we started this in the trips in 2015 and so this would be year seven of that although we had a couple year hiatus um sure but uh really enjoy them and uh, it's a great way to make new portland foodie friends and uh of course um explore. It's time to get out there and explore international destinations, and this is a great way to do it. You don't have to do any planning. We do it for you.
1: Very nice, and I think that's probably a great segue, Chris, into uh, introducing our guest today, a guy that's been on, on the podcast maybe the most, Yes, uh, who, who is a, a, a world traveler himself for the sole purpose oftentimes, just to eat.
0: Yes, just to, that's it, just to eat. But you know, he's. I think Gary Okazaki is segueing into Gary the Sports Guy. So if you hang on throughout this particular interview, we get to baseball and and the Blazers to his take on it. But here's the thing about Gary: if you don't know him, and he's on Instagram right now as at Gary the Foodie, um, he is arguably, I mean, we don't know, but we think he is arguably the most prolific eater in Portland. He's the first guy to to book a reservation at a new restaurant. He loves that. He's been on recently showing photographs of the construction of Gregory Gorday's con, and he's been at Han Oak. Um, with that new structure over there because he's really good friends with Peter and Son at Han Oak. And we ask him about his relationship, whether it's a business relationship or strictly that he loves them, and he'll tell us in this interview. And also, I touch on the influence that Gary has had on the Portland food scene in and of itself with his relationship with, well, both Michael Russell and uh, Karen Brooks, but uh, Karen Brooks would be the uh, the food writer at Portland Monthly and has been you know, writing about food in Portland for decades. And uh, Michael Russell as well at the Oregonian. So Gary is, dines with those folks, and I ask him specifically about his dining with Karen Brooks and if he thinks that things that his relationship with Karen has resulted in certain uh uh awards that has that have happened restaurants being busier than they normally would have and i think he humbly gets to the point where he says yeah that's probably the case because he has encouraged Karen to go eat some things that she may not have paid that much attention to i'll put it that way i don't know but um but we'll will um We'll talk a little t- bit uh, to Gary about that and some of his travels and why he loves Domino's pizza. That's incredible. You know, one of the things I love about Gary, he's not, uh, he's not a snob when it comes to food. He's the first one to tell you. He loves Domino's more than lots of things. And McDonald's, we've, we've had a little pointed discussion about their, their deluxe burger there. Uh, not in this podcast. you have to go back and listen to another one. But at any rate, I really like Gary, and we're talking to him uh, on the eve of his 60th birthday, which is coming up. And hmm. um, and wh- if I don't mention it in the podcast itself, Gary has had over the over COVID, he could stop traveling, and you know it was hard to love the Portland food scene uh, when it changed a little bit. He started talking about moving out of Portland and looking for new destinations and a new life. Um, And so we touch on that a little bit, where he he is with that right now. Um, And that'll change because with Gary, things change. We sat down at Ringside uh, Steakhouse in September, November, I think it was, and he told me he was getting off of Instagram four days later. Well, it's now March. And uh, I think he might have been off for a day or two or a few days, but he's back and uh, but he's not publishing posts the way he has in the past. But at any rate, he's one of my favorite people, and I love this podcast because we get to just have conversations, and it's easy to t- for me to talk to Gary. And I feel like our relationship has changed over the years. Um, I think it was slightly if you go back and listen to some of the first episodes. It was slightly a little more contentious for whatever reasons. We were challenging each other on things. And I think we both relaxed as we get into our 60s. So um, at any rate, Gary Okazaki is one of, one of the guys everybody should know. Um, he he's a, he's a conundrum because he values his privacy, yet he likes to be out there too. So we're thankful that he likes to come on this podcast and takes the time to do so and i think court this would be we're probably getting up on eight or nine or ten podcasts with gary over the years what do you think at
1: at least at least We, we we had him on monthly there for a while
0: right he was doing something monthly for a while and so um you know now things have changed for him and i think he's focusing a little less on eating and a little more on his health and uh well, we talk sports, so he he does something court. I mentioned it at the end that is awesome because you know when I was a kid, what I wanted to be was a sports broadcaster, and so I found myself yesterday when we were recording this uh, or actually Monday um, Tuesday, um, feeling like, hey, I'm sitting behind a mic talking Mets baseball. I thought that was very cool, so yeah, that you. Our listeners and Gary gave me the opportunity to at least uh, play in that uh, play in that sandbox for a few minutes, and I appreciate it. I don't know if people are going to want to listen to the end uh, for a little baseball talk, but those that are into it, it's there. But prior to that, we'll talk uh, some really cool food places where Gary um, uh, recommends that people go in Portland. So it's a great episode to listen to right now with Gary Okazaki.
2: Portland Food Adventures. Join our host, Chris Angelus and his colleague, Austria Enzyme, next September for a wildly delicious adventure through Western Sicily. Palermo, Marsala, and lots in between. Book now to make sure you don't miss the best of Sicily. Since 2015, PFA has been taking Portlanders on incredible journeys with Portland chefs and artisans to Europe and beyond. Check out the Trips tab at PortlandFoodAdventures.com for Sicily, Spain, and more. Or contact Chris through the website right now while you're listening to the podcast.
0: It's great to have you. You are, this must be, maybe you know, the fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh time
3: you've been on the... Oh, right God, the no, because I come in, was it every month for a while to talk about... Right, what? that too. So, so that's
0: why I started jumping up towards seven, but eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve.
3: I, I Could think be. I'm your most... Frequented guest, frequent guest, most frequent guest. I must be because yeah. I was on a lot, like early on because yes, come in so. I haven't
0: had you on in a while. And you know, December two thousand twenty. Been... Wow. Okay, you remember that? Well, I wrote uh, it down.
3: And, I actually right. wrote.
0: And I'm trying to think of who the other most recorded guest is. And we, we, uh, I think Leaf has been on three times. Leaf Gildersleeve, and uh, oh, Vitale, we'll see. I don't Vitale,
3: know. John. V-
0: Ah, uh, Vitaly's only been on a couple of times. John and Renee Gorham, between the two of them, I would think they would probably take the second spot. But there may be somebody else I'm not thinking of. My brain, you know, since COVID, my brain just does not operate at the uh, at the speed at which it used to. So, at any rate, um, you know, you've been kind of back and forth on the podcast you're back and forth on instagram yeah you're back and forth on portland i know um so this is just this point in time which is actually march 8th at 1 p.m this is gary at this point in time so you and i went out to dinner at ringside what how long ago do you was it november
3: i'm guessing november i don't know why it was no
0: November, December, we had an A5 dinner, thank courtesy so of, yeah. of Ringside. Oh, no, 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 I wasn't, but it was, thank you to Ringside for doing that, and Jonathan, Chef Jonathan, who was awesome, and he presented, how did that compare to your... I want to ask you in two ways: your Portland experiences and your worldwide experiences. So, and you can better explain what Jonathan did um, for us in terms of a five a five wagyu presentations.
3: Well, he, he came out and he had a little um, like a grill, and he used binchotan charcoals to cook some a five, and he had some matsutake that he foraged himself, and he had some mochi that he grilled too. Um, so that was a very special um, – that's, that's something very special that he did. I, I'm assuming for us – I don't know if he does it for everybody. I don't think he does it for anybody. I, I, am I wrong?
0: No. I had suggested that maybe they do that for everybody, but it's complicated. So, right. Uh, and, the, and, and those that grill was his wife's grill that he was using, so it's not something they have at ringside. But the second part of the meal is something that he could easily do for everybody, which was the – just the full core, the full A5 on the plate course with everything else it was great.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've, uh, there are many steakhouses around the country that have A5, a lot of A5, a lot of different A5. Alexander's in San Francisco has multiple, like there are very few restaurants in the country that have co- actual Kobe beef, like authentic Kobe beef. Alexander's is one of them. And before the pandemic, I went there. I think it was 2019, and I had, I think it was three ounces of A5 Kobe for like 350. I don't know, 300 dollars, maybe it was more. It wasn't, mm. it wasn't over 400, and it wasn't less than 200. So somewhere in there, it's been a while since I actually went. So it was, and they have, like I said, it was, they had a Kobe flight that I could have sworn was over a thousand, like three slices of three ounces for like a thousand dollars i mean so yeah i mean it's just when you go to other cities even steakhouses aren't in a sense they're on a different level whether you're talking los angeles new york las vegas las vegas every hotel has a steakhouse look at upper end steakhouse because that's what does well in las vegas it's like meat and potatoes literally figuratively but yeah, I appreciated my experience at Ringside. Thank you so much, and they should thank you for you constantly peppered, uh, pestered Brooke Jackson Glidden. and I think it's on the Eater thirty eight, isn't it? Because you keep on saying it is,
0: and they don't need to. Th- uh, they actually did. Listen, it's a mutual thing, you know, no, there's no uh, full disclosure ringside sponsors this podcast and we're friends and I'm really proud of the fact that they sponsor this podcast because, you know, between our sponsors, Zupans and ringside, I believe in them and I, and I wholeheartedly am glad that people learn more about them on the podcast. So, um... It was it was fun to go there with you. Do you go to steakhouses as a matter of course when you do your travels? Because you, you travel a lot to eat. Are you booking the traditional steakhouses at all?
3: I eat in more steakhouses and prime rib houses more than you would think. Like I was into – even during the pandemic, um, I went to Lowry's Prime Rib both in Los Angeles, which is actually – the location is actually in Beverly Hills – and um, Las Vegas. And Lowry's Prime Rib is so much fun. I, it was just a blast.
0: It's just. The, so listen, that I went there it, to Lowry's Prime Rib on La Cienega Boulevard. That's not still there, is it? Is it still the same one? I, I, I think that's the same
3: the, one. In Beverly Hills,
0: right? In the 70s. My dad yeah. took me there. I don't think that's Beverly Hills. That's
3: okay, there a might little be more further over.
0: It, it may be. I, I don't know. But I don't think La Cienega's Beverly Hills. But maybe. But, uh, yeah, that's a place my dad took me to, my parents, in the 70s and then the 80s. And uh, I remember Lowry's Prime Rib. I'd love to go there again. That'd be great. Let's, do, let's somehow find – listen, I'm not going to ask you to take me on one of your trips to L.A. <laughs> I'm not, I'm because you've got other people, not that you, the, you, other people that you'd rather travel with than me. But let's find ourselves in L.A. at the same time okay. and let's go to Lowry's Prime Rib. That would be fun. And, and, and maybe, you know, I, I would bet you – I'm gonna bet I went to Matsuhisa before you did.
3: I so, went in. God, I went. What? When did you go? The eighties? Nineteen
0: seventy-eight yeah. or nine? Yeah, and then, it, but, it, well, yeah, it was. And then I know I went out with my then. Wife, but I don't know if we were married yet. But so the early eighties too. And my my brother like knew Nobu, and he, we could get in and sit down and have Nobu serve us. B- believe it or not, so um, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but that, those are my old La Cienega LA days, and uh, those are long gone now. You spend a lot more time there, so. Uh, you know what's going on. And if, correct me if I'm wrong, one of the last times we spoke, oh, at least over the last couple of years, you had said LA is your favorite food city now in the U.S. Is that oh, yeah. still the case?
3: Yeah, I think it's not only my favorite, I think it's the best food city in the United States, not even close. I mean, they did they, a lot of new, surprisingly, a lot of new restaurants opened in LA during the pandemic. Three of the best sushi restaurants in the United States opened up. In LA during the pa- pandemic, Sushi Takada, Sushi Kaniyoshi, and Morihiro, and it, all, I've been I've been to all three, um, all three this year. I mean, excuse me, 2022 already. Uh, 2021 I went, and um, that's all right. They're fantastic. Uh, yeah. So and then Finnekite, <laughs> which was named LA's restaurant of the year last year, that opened during the pandemic. And I'm going, even though I'm retired and not really traveling that much, I'm still, I'm still going, you know, an occasional trip here and there. And I'll be in L.A. and I'm trying some more new places, some Korean restaurants that just opened up. Uh, one of the hardest reservations in the United States is Corridor 109 in Koreatown. And my friend Thomas got two seats. He snagged them somehow, some way. So we're going um, on my birthday, my 60th birthday.
0: Sixty, yeah, right, 60s. when's that? When Six zero,
3: that? end of March.
0: Oh, it's coming right around the corner. Yeah. Well, uh, my uh, I love the sixties. Let me just tell you, welcome. I'm not going to welcome you yet, but almost welcome. You'll love them. They're great. There's okay. a lot that there's a there's a lot of freedom that you have in your sixties that you didn't have in your forties and fifties. Well, one of the reasons
3: I, d- I re- quote unquote retired and not traveling that much is I. I can't do what I did in 2019, which is 51 trips in 52 weeks and being in Paris one day or one week and then going to Lima, Peru the next and then back to London and then to Tokyo. That was, I still look back on 2019 specifically and thinking, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. And 2020 started that way too. But um, COVID was chasing me around the world from... Hong Kong to Seoul to Milan and never caught me as far as I know but it's just I'm getting older and I you know arthritis and things like that and yeah I mean I kind of fell down today like just I tripped on a curb just walking across the street it's, I mean that's old age I don't know I mean
0: it it is I have I've been lucky in the last three years I haven't fallen but I did have I think right around 59 Three falls in a three or four month period, which were stupid. I was looking at my phone and tripped on shit. So that's how I fell. But yeah, it hurts and it takes a while to recover. But when you say you're retiring, you're retiring from food travel, not necessarily from work when you say that. Correct?
3: Right, right. Yeah. But food travel was my... It wasn't work. I, I mean, I love... It,
0: it was your vocation.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved it. And I just... I've been able to reflect... On it because Mm -hmm. at the time I couldn't reflect because I was always you know working on you know thirty reservations in Paris on a Paris trip been followed by twenty reservations for a Berlin trip so I never had time to reflect on it and uh, now during the pandemic even though I traveled a lot actually from April of last year to November of last year uh, I've been able to just think about those 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 travels and that intense year uh, two years actually 2018 and 2019 were both pretty intense it has been mm-hmm. it's been it was it was fun and tra- actually traveling in the middle of the pandemic again like summer of 2020 that'll be always memorable because empty airports empty planes empty hotels i was able to experience cities around the united states that were going through the pan- you know covid in you know, the the early part of COVID. And it's just good that we finally we finally seem to be we although we thought that last summer, we set, we finally seem to be over the hump as far as pandemic to an endemic phase for COVID, with Omicron pushing out Delta and Omicron just not being as virulent as Delta. So things are looking good. I'm happy. That, yeah. I, yeah, and
0: I remember when we thought that last year too. So, but I'm a little happier, and we're a little more optimistic because we've, you know, I'm going to uh, Spain next month. Right. So yeah. good luck. We we decided let's do this. I think we're 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 looking at a good, a nice opening. So
3: uh, so you wait. So your group uh, is you know going. What? Your, your group is going ne- next month. Yeah, or just Portland you Portland food Portland okay. food
0: adventures yeah we're okay. going to uh, we're going with Javi, Javier and JL, JL. from Urdaneta. Yeah. so um that's going to be a pretty special trip so finally you know we had that planned in 2020 and at this exact just what is this? March eighth, yeah, yeah, a week from now in two thousand twenty is when it first hit me. Like I don't think we're going to be able to do this. So I I spent a few days pretty upset that we couldn't go, and then then I was very thankful we weren't there in the middle of it, hearing this pandemic is hit. And we'd have to get back to the United States. So at any rate, we're very fortunate, and that most of the restaurants are still are opening up and we can get reservations at Mende and some other places. So we're if I pronounce that properly, I Yeah,
3: hope. I've had Eneco's uh, food before. It's, it's the chef owner's Nico Acha. And yes. he cooked he cooked with David Kinch at Minresa seven or eight years ago for a collaboration dinner. I flew down and I had Eneco's mm-hmm. food, had uh, David's food. It was a very memorable collaboration. So an Mende is a it's a beautiful uh, location, and it's a beautiful restaurant. It's actually gorgeous from what I've heard.
0: Yes, and so I have too. I have not been there, but I know that uh, Javier and uh, JL from uh, and their staff... Uh, from Urdaña, I think their staff has been there, and I'm looking forward to it. And I was really pleased, you know, it's a hard reservation to get; it's an even harder one for 20 people. And uh, I was really pleased when they wrote me back a couple of weeks ago because we're getting close, and said you got your table. So that was pretty cool. So things look like they're opening up. I want to talk a little bit about you know traveling the world, and then also about Portland. The Portland food scene has changed so much right it's not the same, and you've gone through your uh, uh, love hate relationship with Portland, I think <laughs> you know and you're a little you know you're a little bit like the kid in junior high school and high school that just wants to get the fuck out of their town and but you also you have some great friends here too, and I think yeah, that w- with your pandemic reflections, you've probably been able to stop and think and appreciate. What you have here and, uh, you know, what you've had all your years here. And I don't know whether that's affecting your desire to move or not.
3: It is. And we'll see. I mean, I thought about Boise early on. And now Boise, during the pandemic, has become one of the hottest, if not the hottest city in the United States from what I've heard. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. And I, I like Boise, but it's so small. We'll see. Like, I don't know. I'm just going to put it off. For right now for a little while and we'll see what happens and yeah. you know i'm spending more time here eating i'm not eating out as much as i used to i cook a little bit more even though i don't know how to it, i don't really that, turn on the that stove means only
0: three that means only three meals a day at restaurants instead of eight
3: no it means i have a can opener <laughs> okay. that i use to open up cans of soup and chili and baked beans
0: all right, so that and that balances out. That helps you appreciate your dining experiences, and also financially helps you afford those those thousand dollar A five experiences all over the world.
3: But man, I love Domino's. I, I, as soon as we get off this this call, I will be ordering Domino's. I've been ordering it every week. I just can't stop eating Domino's. I say at please. some point it's gonna stop. I'll, I'll get sick of it, but I still haven't reached that point. I mean literally every week for the last... What is so
0: good about Domino's? It's the thin crust. I think I've had it twice. I
3: I, I don't like anything but the thin crust Domino's. It's like a little crunchy cracker. Then, I don't know, I I just, (laughs) there's something so craveable about Domino's pizza. Uh, It's the only thing I really crave. I don't crave, like, pan. I I don't really crave pandas. I guess if I was going to crave anything else, it's Panda Express Orange Chicken comes close. <laughs> Love the panda.
0: And who's chicken? Whose chicken?
3: Panda Express.
0: Oh, their chicken. So, chicken.
3: Orange chicken. Orange chicken. they their orange chicken. Okay. Have I've you ever it. had it? And
0: so No. I don't even I think I've been to Panda Express, but I wouldn't remember. Oh my god. You know, when when I when I was feeding kids every day and having to having to put something on the table multiple times every day. God, I'm so the I'm glad I'm not doing that anymore. So, uh, Such a good dad. No, <laughs> no, I, you know, I loved it, but I just had an experience with my girlfriend's grandkids and just watching her, uh, daughter feed her grandkids three times a day. I just, you know, there were memories that I guess I'm fond of those memories, but I'm just so glad I don't have that responsibility any longer that I can just like last night. Here's my thing. Your thing is dominoes. Just. A bowl of cereal with a little fruit in it and some toast. For and dinner? A re- For dinner, yeah. Just easy. Uh, I was tired. I traveled. I drove, did something you don't do. We, we drove back from Tahoe oh. over the weekend. So by the time I got back here, there's the last thing I want to do is cook and clean. What is so.
3: there to do in Tahoe other than gamble? I don't
0: know. Uh, well, we were going to see family, and I would tell oh. you, if you look at, just quickly glance at my Instagram, you'll see some beautiful scenery. So there was that, and of course, in this case, there was family, and it was really nice. They just moved down there, so uh, it was kind of cool. I hadn't been to Tahoe since 2002 when I rode around the country with my kids doing baseball parks and hot dogs, which we can get into shortly. And uh, one of the places we drove through, I just did a circle around the lake then in 2002. That's, more, that's all I had seen of it. But this time I got, we went for some, some passable sushi, I would say. I, I hope that if, my, uh, if Renee's daughter and son-in-law are listening, they don't, aren't necessarily listening to that because they thought it was fantastic. I thought it was okay. And uh, we couldn't get into the steakhouse at the casino with seven people. Um, so that's it. And we went to the hard rock, but any rate, the ski, if you're a skier, there's a lot to do there. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a skier, but, um, but we had a great time. It was, it's absolutely spectacular. It's beautiful scenery and we're going to be going down again in the summer. So I look forward to that. That's awesome. Um, but, but at any rate, I like my just simple, some simple meals. And the thing I hate doing most is cleaning up for one. I, I just, I'm at the point where I don't love it. So I love sharing this, Beautiful kitchen that I have with my girlfriend, and that's more enjoyable than being here by myself. Okay. So, I like being here by myself. It's just, an, I don't like cooking and cleaning for myself too much. Once in a while, you know, I do a lot of my shopping at Zoopans, Gary, and I get some really good things, but most, there's a lot of heat and serve
3: I get too, so. Zoopans in Manzanita? I don't know. No, no, no. I shop
0: in Portland. And, okay. Oh, you and take it with you it to, to Manzanita? I take Oh, I take it with me to Manzanita. Sure. That would be nice, but it would be um, be tough on the budget if it was nearby. So I'm glad to be able to pick it up once in a while when I'm in Portland and drive it out. The other thing I do, do you like Popeye's fried chicken? When I pass a Popeye's, and I know I'm heading out here, I stop and get a bucket.
3: I prefer KFC over Popeye's. Oh, We've had this discussion. I've had yes. a lot of KFC recently, too. Not a lot, but like three or four times in the last couple of months, and... I just
0: their prices have gone through the roof well,
3: for fried chicken. Sure. I mean that's I mean with inflation being at the highest since 1982, I think we're going to be everywhere. Right.
0: But okay, this is a good discussion. KFC being a huge operation right. is quick to raise their prices like immediately, but a lot of restaurants in Portland I'm seeing are trying to hold the line and make make do with their pricing structure that they had two years ago with a lot a lot of new considerations on the table. Um, is that true? Do you see that? Are I, you getting-
3: I, I have not seen – I haven't noticed price increases nor have – I mean it's hard for me to really judge if – if it, if it skyrocketed, skyrocketed, I would have noticed that. I haven't noticed that KFC – I didn't know that KFC raised the prices. But I think inflation – I think you'll see it more this year where they're just going to have to raise prices. They as in local restaurants. They, they just – I think it will be unavoidable. Right.
0: People, and I think – I think people will understand it, and I think they should do it soon if they're going to do it. Because right now, people are giving all the restaurants a pass on a lot of things, and it's time right now, I think, to just inch them up a little bit. So, and everybody's going to blame it on COVID.
3: I don't. I think it's being well. You mean every night you get a other than Ukraine Russia war, you get people talking about the inflation in this country. You see gas. You know the pictures of uh, gasoline billboards. And so, yeah. I mean, it's just I – mean, and with – I mean, it's just going to be – in this year is going to be the year of inflation where people talk about it constantly.
0: Right. And, you know, the price increase on gas has happened before. And let's – I last time I was in Europe in 2019 and I rented a car for my trip through Germany and Austria, I returned it to the – airport and filled up a little mercedes convertible i don't think it has a big tank and that was like a hundred dollar fill up so we haven't been paying what europe has been paying for a long time anywhere close we've been spoiled in this country okay so that's my perspective and i just got a hybrid so i'm happy
3: And I don't drive, so I
0: don't... Yeah, no, you don't drive, so it doesn't affect you. But I just jumped into a hybrid a month before this happened. So um, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Um, But at any rate, so I I found it interesting that I haven't seen prices... I don't think I've seen prices go up. I personally would like to see... um, Here's my little thing. I want to, I'm want curious as to how you think about this because I've asked a few people in the business and they kind of agree with me. How do you feel about going to get a donut and having the square turned around and you're asked to leave a, to- a tip for someone handing you a donut now uh, or a cup of coffee? You know, this is something we didn't have to deal with a few years ago. And now I'm supposed to leave a tip on someone handing me a donut. What do you feel? I just I, my I, feeling I, is raise the price of the damn donut enough to cover that, and pay your own employee, what? and don't make me make a decision on such a trivial transaction to have to pay that
3: person. You have talked about this before in prior, not even prior, prior years. You you talked yeah, about. Yeah, I have issue. to
0: stop harping on it.
3: I, I I you know what? Because of COVID, I I I don't even think twice about. It. Sure, I'll do it. I mean, sure, I'll tip off of whatever they're doing. I just feel bad so of course the bad about right. what this is going through with COVID so sure I'm
0: gonna I have I, felt that way about COVID too it's no problem it's and I quickly just sign it but when this dies down and it's not about COVID uh, anymore uh, I I just want the those types of businesses to kind of figure it out and not ask me to make it's very Kirby it's very Larry Davidish to make that decision every time on a two dollar transaction like that's stupid. Just make it a three-dollar transaction and just say thank you, sir, and that's it. They don't have to say sir to me either. I don't care about that. Okay. Oh, well, so this
3: has been your thing, like I said, for a while. You, you
0: I know, and you, I'm just, I'm just crabby and ornery, and I, I have heard myself and have told Renee I got to stop bitching about this. I sound, I sound like an old crotchety, a crotchety old man, which I probably am, but. um yeah, I, but I know I do know I've had discussions with this, of course, and I'm not the only one who feels that way. on a On a three dollar transaction, I don't want to have to pick start. And the, the, my favorite one is when they start at twenty percent, twenty five percent, thirty percent on that transaction.
3: Well, no, well, some some restaurants do this dollar, two dollar, three dollars, and you are talking like low, low, you know, like a two dollar a two, you know, you get a coffee, and instead of percentages. It's like one, two, and three. So the three is like a hundred percent tip. And right. I, okay. Okay. Well, that that I I because I, I think there's probably a button you can push to go to a percentage, but I just don't want. Oh well, no! Spin, but you I, can
0: also do custom custom amount. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I generally I, go to the dollar, but it's still on a three dollar. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Yeah, I get a little But still, I right. shouldn't have to be, but yeah. it's very different. Here's the big thing, and God, I'll stop, I promise. But here's the thing. When I go to a restaurant and leave 20, 20, whatever it is, 20, 25%, they're actually doing something which is above and beyond. To serving me, asking me questions. How can I make things better for you? This is just handing me a donut and ringing it up. And probably while they're ringing up, having a conversation with their colleague, their quote-unquote team member next to them while I'm waiting to get out. But
3: in in previous years, you would also mention the times where you'd have to bust your own table. Then it's also – well, you'd leave a tip at the cash register. Then when you're done eating, you have to bust your own table. And I I know you've talked about that multiple times. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you when
0: you've asked to leave a 20% tip, and then you go to a table. Not only that, I've seen tables with the cleanser on it, saying, please clean your own table. And I'm <laughs> like, fuck, that. fuck that. I mean, I don't mind doing it. But don't you can't have it both ways. I mean, here's the thing. It may be a sandwich place, raise the price of the sandwich from 11 to $12. And don't ask me to do that. But Here's the other thing. During the pandemic, they get a pass because I know they've been shorthanded too. So we get, there's that. That's, I hope someday that ends. And I really, I know all restaurants are having a very hard time staffing. I just had a conversation with a restaurant owner this morning. They can't open as much as they'd like to open because of staffing. I get that. I understand it. I just think, I hope that someday we're out of this. And I hope that someday we're not asked to, pick up the slack in the same way. I'm willing to pick up the slack, just I don't want to think as much. I got gotcha. you. Know, that's
3: it. So, um, Okay, see so you don't have to talk right. about this subject for another Oh my
0: God, maybe we should edit this. No, I no, leave it in.
3: That's fine. Leave yeah, of
0: course. I, I, But I just, it's, I guess it's my thing and it's never... Listen, it's only those little transactions. I just want them to figure that out. It's not I don't have gripes at the restaurant. I think I'm a pretty good tipper. Anybody who's ever served me, you're welcome to chime in and say, no, he's a, he's a cheap shit, if you'd like, because I don't think I am. Um, we actually have fun, Renee and I, when we split a tab and we, we go both ways. And I always have we always have fun on who's getting the extra penny on the ad. On the odd amount, it's just a fun thing to talk about. So, um, anyway, so do you have some places you've been before we get to the Mets or whomever else you want to speak about? Um, do you have any places that you've been going in Portland? Sure. Well I know you've been you've been highlighting Peter and Sons Restaurant and also Gregory Gorday's Restaurant uh, that's not yet open. Thankfully, it's on its way, right?
3: Right. Um, I I have, as, as you know, I I vacillate just in general in my life, and I I've I've disabled my Instagram account multiple times just in the last like six months. And I've,
0: you told me you were quitting, and you didn't.
3: Uh. Well, no, I was. It's I, I knew I'd come back for special things. I, I don't know what I don't know if I meant like quitting Instagram. Because I, I kind of have a burner account that I always have, just because you need an account just to look at. Because restaurants always use Instagram, so you, I, I had a, a pseudo burner account that I, I would never yeah. get rid of. But um, yeah, I, I I come back for Peter and Gregory. So Hanok was going to reopen after 22 months of being closed. So I re-enabled my account, and I'm the person who got to who was allowed to announce it to the world that Hanok was reopening. Um, like I said, after a twenty two month absence and, and
0: And this is not a paid thing you have oh, with anybody. No. You're just a champion of yes. you love them and this is yes. what you do.
3: You you are correct. I don't have any financial interest in Hanok. They're just friends and same with Khan and Gregory. Uh, when
0: you were when you were having fun serving at Han Oak, were they paying you, or was no. that just you wanted the experience? I
3: never lasted through a whole shift. I get tired like an hour. And <laughs> and a half well, they,
0: that's that's why you didn't want to get paid.
3: <laughs> right, I feel guilty <laughs> taking any money. <laughs> then the <laughs> one night, Karen Brooks came in with someone else, and they had dinner. It was Tepler. It was Tepler and Brooks came in for dinner at Han Oak, and I and I had to run food to them, and I like broke some plates that night i didn't break karen's karen or ben's plates but i broke not on the, and not, not on them either no right? not, not on them i it, <laughs> no no i i remember breaking it and luckily it didn't hit anybody and i quit i quit after that at least that that night i quit I mean, that might have been my last night serving or uh, running food but yeah i mean it, it's they're doing a hot pot now so it's a hot pot format which is something they've never done before it's um uh, it's, it's a, a vegetable and meat course. There's a rice course, and there's a noodles and dumpling course. A lot of fun. I went three times in three weeks to try various iterations of it. Um, the, it comes with three sauces that people should use liberally, but the Hanok vibe and the experience is still there. That's what always made it so special is the location and right. just the, the Hanok experience.
0: The atmosphere there is yeah. fantastic.
3: Yeah, and then um, Gregory's Restaurant uh, should be, from what you know, everyone says, should be open sometime in late spring, early summer. And
1: mm-hmm.
3: I got a chance to tour it, and there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. But, you know, one day you can come in and it'll look like it, there's like a year's worth of work, and the next time you come in a month later, it can look almost ready to go. So... It's exciting. I mean, Con is going to be one of the biggest openings, not just in Portland, you know, maybe in the United States, because I mean, it's yeah, it's, and it's, it's been, been a long time
0: coming. Yeah, it's been coming. You know, it started being highlighted on Top Chef. Right. Um. Long ago. Right. With right. That was 2018 or 19. I don't even. I think it was 19. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was before. It was before the pandemic, and. Um, yeah, that's going to be pretty special. Everybody's been waiting to see what he will do on his own and um and and he's a really creative guy, so that it's it ha- it must have been very difficult to be constructing a restaurant while construction prices are so high and it's very hard to get uh, contractors to work. I would imagine that's been a frustrating process for him.
3: Well, it would've been worse if you tried to open a restaurant right now given with lumber prices are now i mean we've just seen i mean last year was tough but nothing like this year that we'll that, that we'll he, see this year so
0: all the lumber has been delivered already because uh, i would assume so closed. yeah he's
3: getting yeah. close so, uh,
0: i mean i remember i to your point i remember when we did an event at ox the day it opened right i remember that uh, i was there. And, yeah. Right, and uh, I'll tell you what, at 5 o'clock, it didn't look like it was going to open at 6. Right. So these people in that business are remarkable on what they can get accomplished in a short period of time. I saw the same thing at Lardo. They were That restaurant, the first one on Hawthorne opened at 11 o'clock on a July day, and they were still drilling holes in the tables at 10.58. But at 11, it opened like it had been open for years, so... But, uh, it's it's a remarkable thing how hard these people work in this in the industry.
3: But if you've seen the renderings that Gregory's posted on his personal IG account, Instagram account, you'll you'll notice how how gorgeous the restaurant actually looks. How much thought went into each and every detail of that restaurant, and you'll see it when you'll see you really see it obviously when it opens and you can go in and have the food and and um, look at every nook and cranny. And see the quality of um, product they use to create that restaurant and the food. I mean, I know you went to Con the pop up at Mama Bird a few years ago. I think you went to Mm -hmm. to Con the year. Well, you have a good
0: memory. You pay attention. Yes,
3: I think you did both. So both formats. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll look forward as I will to Con.
0: I also want to talk. I do. I was going to ask you offhand, just. Public with this. Do you think that Greg? Well, he—I have to ask him. I wonder if Gregory would entertain. I haven't done an event in two years. Not, don't op- know. Not necessarily an opening, but I would love to do an event with him and Brian Malarkey. I think that would be really fun, and I have a little bit of a connection to Brian, and Gregory does too. So you can always ask. That'd be kind of fun. I know I'm. I'm going to ask, and I'm just noting it here so I remember to do that. Okay. So, but I, the last thing I want to do is is hit Gregory when he's really busy and act like I'm self-serving, but that would be a fun event. I just think because Brian was his front of the house guy on Top Chef when he did the con when when they opened con on Top Chef.
3: Right. So, Restaurant Wars. So. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yes,
0: Restaurant Wars. So
3: I I've also. Uh, been to berlu since it reopened with uh, a Vietnamese-influenced tasting menu, which was... He started doing that in October of 2021. Um, mm-hmm. Vince Nguyen pivoted and did a bakery, a night market, and a noodle concept during the pandemic after he gave up doing the tasting menu format once COVID hit. So, mm-hmm. after, you know, a year and a half of not doing a tasting menu, it was nice to go to Berlu, try the new tasting menu, and being incredibly impressed. And I'm always honest with Vince. And I told him, this is the first time I could say that your food now is my favorite in Portland. And I think the the best restaurant in Portland is currently Berlu, And uh, just very excited for him over the last, you know, few weeks he was named a James Beard semifinalist for best chef northwest and and then last week Karen Book Brooks uh, released a review of Berlou and it was uh, in, it's a stellar review and I took I took Karen to Berlou 2.0 in October but she went again to see if there were any changes like a uh, two months later, and she, she obviously loved her experiences at Berlue. If you get a chance, go to the Portland Monthly website, or it's, it will be in the magazine that, that will be released for the, I guess it would be spring edition of Portland Monthly, and it, sh- and it will be in the, in the actual magazine, the Berlue Review. So I'm just really happy for Vince. He's getting married very soon. I went to the bachelor party two days ago. And that was fun. Oh,
0: you at a bachelor party? That would be fun to. to yeah, watch. I
3: normally wouldn't go, but it was for Vince, and <laughs> I love him, so I, I, I said I'd go. I don't normally don't like crowds, so I won't be so going. So what ha-
0: what happened at a bachelor party? Uh, that bachelor oh, party? But it, was, it was
3: it was Vince, so it's gonna be very mild. So we we went to wow. um, we we did glow in the dark putt putt. We went to okay. Oma's hide- We went to Oma's hideaway. We went to someday for a drink, then we went to voice box to do karaoke. I didn't sing, but um, because I had tone deaf.
0: Oh no, we don't have record of that.
3: No. But the, the, a whole bunch of, like there, initially there were only six of us total at the first three venues. then more people came to the vo- uh, voice box. people I hadn't seen in uh, you know, I hadn't seen since pre-pandemic, so it was nice to see some f- familiar faces at the bachelor party. But yeah, go to Berloo if you have a chance.
0: You know, he I uh, I have to admit, I shamefully admit and I do this a lot with a lot of places. I haven't been and he he even invited me a few years ago, but it's a 4-hour round trip and sometimes I just can't make it in right. at that. And I that's not an excuse because if you're citing it as the best restaurant in Portland, I should have gone. Whether whether you had cited it as that, I've known it's great i've heard it from everybody i haven't been so i will uh get in there soon i got a few new things on my on my bucket list and uh we'll make sure we we get there so i have a question Mm -hmm. how much uh, and you'll answer honestly because i know you will you're friends with karen brooks she's a reviewer Mm -hmm. you go with her to a lot of restaurants how much influence if you love a place and you're and you are harping about it how much influence do you think you have on her reviews
3: she quoted me in the review, so I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I must have a little bit of a, a little bit of influence, but sometimes we disagree on what we think about a specific dish or a specific restaurant. But
0: right, well, you're going to have disagreement, but but my point is, or my question is, is it possible that a place that she may not be even paying attention to is brought to her attention by you, and then secondarily you go and you're so excited about it. She gets a little excited about it. There's a little, there. there's a little psychological
3: uh, I have an example. I have another example. You want another example? Because, well, Karen, sure. Karen and I go way back on Barely. I actually took her to the very first pop-up before Vince's Jolie-Led, Vince wins Jolie-Led. I mean, it was, it was, had dancing, it, there were the dancers at Vince's first unofficial pop-up. And she went, and it was kind of awful. And uh, I, Vince always hates it when I bring it up, but so be it. But uh, another example is St. Jack on Northwest Twenty Third. Uh, I, I I know I talked about it the last time I was on in December, two thousand twenty. So if you want to go back and listen to St. What happened with the new chef named John Dennison, He came from Paris, came back. He he went. He worked for Aaron at St. Jack. Went to Europe. Came back during the pandemic. Took over the little Mule space. And then after taking. When he took over to the Le Moule space, I discovered that he was doing some, um, just some really stellar French bistro type food at Le Moule, like a pativier and a pâté en crotte. Then after Le Moule, Aaron opened up Lake Oswego, St. Jack Lake Oswego. Aaron went there, went to the Lake House, helped open up that. And then John took over the kitchen at St. Jack on Northwest 23rd. I, I loved it. I went uh, once he moved over there. Had a great meal. I said, Karen, I I was talking about John to Karen for since I, since, you know, summer of 2020 when I had his food at, you know, Lemoul. And she finally went with me and uh, she absolutely loved it. And John was named, I don't know what, I can't remember the official label, but Karen named John the best new Portland chef of 2021 at the, during, in, in, in the restaurant issue of Portland Monthly. And really, and I went to St. Jack, um, end of December again, just with my cousins and myself and the food was as good as it was in previous visits. It's one of the best French bistros, not just in the city, but in the country. Um, it's right up there. With, it's you know I, I've been to a lot of very good French bistros in the country. La Pichette in San Francisco, in, um, Seattle, Frenchette in New York City, Pajoli in Santa Monica, Petit Chois in uh, Los Angeles. But man, what John Dennison is doing to at Saint Jack on Northwest Twenty Third—really re- memorable food. Really, have you been?
0: That's I have. Um, we we sat at the bar and we had a few. A, we didn't have a full meal there so i've been there but i've been there recently and uh we had the tartar which has been there forever right. i don't know if john has real influence on that and uh i don't remember what else a couple of wonderful cocktails too um but no i haven't gone for a meal in a while and i also want to go to the lake oswego version of it too um at some point see what that's all about yeah. I need to spend more time. I mean, I'm, you know, it used to be that I would be embarrassed and I would try to hide the fact that I haven't been in Portland. With with COVID, I feel a little bit, you know, I've, I'm hearing a lot and I have to get out more. You know, my, my, my touching the Portland food world is really through this podcast, other than uh, a few experiences a month. Like when I lived there, it was five, exper- five times I was going out a week. But, um, I'm not. I am. I am there, but not as much. To answer that, so in that case, it's possible that Karen may not have been turned on to what right. was going on at Saint Jack if you hadn't done that. So, I, I would imagine that over the past few years, you've had quite a bit of influence on the restaurant scene, right? In, indirectly, in that manner.
3: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I I I think so, but it, you don't really know until you know. I mean,
0: well, there's one example where you're actually humbly suggesting it. I
3: I suggested it. You're
0: confirming it. That's all.
3: And I'll I'll because I, <laughs> I was gonna talk about this next thing anyway. And again, yeah, it is kind of Karen Brooks related. Okay, Davenport. Was closed for the majority of the pandemic, but then in 2021, around summer, maybe late summer, Kevin Gibson, who owns Davenport, reopened. Not just for dinner, but he reopened for the first time for lunch. And, um, I I went in. Maybe I was one of his first customers for lunch when he reopened because I was just curious. And you know, I'm a burger fiend. The last time I did your episode, uh, your recorded an episode at Right at the Fork. I talked about the burger project that I did with Portland Monthly and with Karen Brooks. Man, this sounds right. like a Karen Brooks thing. Okay, so I go in.
0: It's okay. It's okay. I've never been able to get her on the podcast, so this is the best I'm going to do. Okay, Karen.
3: so so I go to Davenport, and there's a burger on the menu. So I got to try the burger. And oh my god, I, I had hundreds of burgers during the pandemic. You know, hundreds, because I was working on the burger cabal project with Portland Monthly. So Uh, Kevin Gibson's burger was just eye-opening. It was, uh, he used Laney beef patty. Uh, He had some cheese from the Basque region, Uh, onion, a perfect tomato. I can't remember what farm he got the tomato from. And a potato roll. Simple, but I've never given a Portland burger 100 out of 100 scores. I only have like five burgers total in my life. That have a hundred out of a hundred score. And uh, Kevin Gibson's Davenport burger was one of them. And I told Karen, Karen, you you just got to try this burger. This is amazing. It's a hundred out of a hundred. I just couldn't stop talking about it. So she went with me like a few weeks later. And she agreed. So she ended up writing a story, online story about Davenport. And talked about the burger. And it was nice because I went in maybe another month later after that, and the lunch, the the, and she highlighted the lunch, but the, the uh, Davenport was full, every table taken for lunch the the next time after <laughs> the review came out, um, and so it was nice to see. And he he changes the burger. Kevin Gibson changes the burger seasonally, so that i and I've had the burger maybe four times, and they've all been. Uh, super but that first time that I had it that first burger was the 100 out
0: of 100 well that's like the first time I drove a Lamborghini okay. that, that first time <laughs> right it's never is, is yeah it's pretty crazy so listen that's fantastic we need to take a little break here to talk about some other folks who serve burgers I suppose and we'll be right back with Gary O uh, Gary the foodie on Instagram this week
1: we think Chris, we are going to pause here a moment to talk about one of our favorite places to eat here in Portland, a uh, Portland institution, as it were, Ringside Steakhouse.
0: Yeah, and uh, 78 years, I understand now. Man, it was the 75th pre-pandemic, and now, boy, that that time went fast. 78 years. We should cover the necessary particulars about what they're doing now. They're offering indoor dining and uh, heated and covered outdoor dining, and they're also doing to-go which I want to talk about in a second, but also they're doing seating in the bar as though it was the restaurant. So that beautiful bar that they just renovated a few years ago is now kind of part of the dining room, but it's it's got a cool vibe to it. So um, so all sorts of the hours are uh, 4 to 9 on weekends or 4 to 9.30 on Saturday, actually. 4.30 to 9.30 on Friday, 5 to 9, Wednesday and Thursday. So they're closed now, on Monday and Tuesday, although if you check in, sometimes they will be open on Tuesday. Um, and al- also, if you call an hour and ahead, you can get to go, your food to go. I just did a party with 10 people at my house. Ringside provided all the food, and it was spectacular. We had New York strip, boneless New York strip steaks, which were easy for me to do on the grill, and then slice up the mashed potatoes. All sous vide were fantastic. We got ingredients for salad, hazelnuts, two types of dressing green beans, uh, and, oh, lobster tails as well. And uh, it was really easy to do. And also, for dessert, very simple, some of the best toffee you're ever going to have. You just throw that on a plate, and it's all good. So we were looking for something that was less work-intensive, and Ringside provided it.
1: It's very nice. So whether it be for a special occasion like Valentine's Day, and we should recommend get those reservations made right away, or... special occasion happening at your place ringside steakhouse has you covered
0: yeah and you can find them on open table or at ringsidesteakhouse.com for reservations or you can call them at 503-223-1513 that's 223-1513 for reservations and uh, to order something to go all right gary you made me so hungry I, i have a my water is almost done I think I need to go out and at least quench my thirst, but I'll get through this. We have a few more minutes to uh, chat here with Gary the Foodie, and um, we've covered some of his most recent food exploits in um, in Portland. There aren't as many all over the world. We used to get to hear where your favorite places were all over the world, but frankly, I I think most people who listen to this podcast were more interested in hearing what you have to say about what's going on here have you been to so,
3: Re- Re- republica
0: oh yes a few times oh, for, for- I, not only have i been to republica uh just for lunch and for dinner but we went to the uh, the collaboration with carlo oh okay. um that he did there and that was fantastic too it's a really fun place i really love it i think um I think they're doing a fantastic job there, and I know I just went down to Epilogue in Salem after I had seen their um, their uh, James Beard nomination down there with Jonathan, who's going to be on the podcast too, or he may have already been on it. I don't know. We're recording it this week, uh-huh. so we don't know which when yours is going to run at the t- uh, or his. But I know I read that he was influenced by Lauro. And by Republica too, so it's interesting to see that that Republica is having, you know. I'm sure we're going to see some, uh, and we know some of their the people who've been through that kitchen are now elsewhere. Correct? Their pastry chef, yeah, Helen. Yeah, where's she?
3: I, I do not know. I think I think Olivia is the pastry chef, but Helen was. I don't know if she was like a pastry sous or she was like the head baker because I think she did the I think, but I'm not sure that she did the 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 Mexican pastries in the morning i could be wrong about that but i think she might have been like the head baker uh
0: all right well i loved it there and i've taken a few people since so
3: adriana was the bar manager and she's up she's the bar manager at potty now and uh, i think i'll see her soon but i went for the first weekend that the tasting menu was released and that was i think in august or september and it was enjoyable Mm -hmm. it was like it was like 45 dollars um,
0: yeah, I knew the prices were going to go up a little bit. Right, but have to.
3: But then, uh, and I, I wanted to give them more time just to see them develop because it's not—it's hard to go that first week when they do the tasting menu and think, oh, "Okay, you know, both good or bad." It, but then I went, uh, Gregory Gorday, and I went for uh, like a few days before val- Valentine's Day, and they actually had the Valentine's Day menu, and the meal had. It, it was significantly more eye-opening than that that first weekend. Especially, there was this dish that was one of the best dishes I had during the pandemic, not just in Portland but anywhere. And it was a mole with a pheasant bellutine. So, like a it's like a stuffed pheasant, like a pheasant mm-hmm. roll. And the mole was it. It was stupendous. It it was it it probably is the best mole that I've had in Portland, Oregon. So, and
0: how does that compare with the mole you've had in uh, Mexico?
3: Well, it's hard to compare like with Puyo and with Mexico City. I mean, yeah, but it was and well, yeah, it it, 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 just even in the United States, I give Laurel a tremendous Laurel Romero, the head chef there, kudos. For that mole.
0: Yeah, that uh, you know where I went? So I can say I've been somewhere. I know I have. Uh, we went for Renee's birthday. We went to Eme. Oh, okay. And that, that was the, the other than a feast lunch that I'd been to there. Um, that was my first time. And Oh. Um, yeah, I know. It's crazy. But I'm out here. So going to wait in line places is not something I normally do. So there wasn't a line. We were able to get in. Um, but the, the fried chicken, I thought, was incredible. And then the, just the green curry was one of the best things I've eaten in a long time. Simple green curry. And the cocktails were great, too.
3: Curries and cocktails cream. That's what I would say. Curries and cocktails. Very yeah. alliterative. And yes. Earl's going to be opening up Phuket Cafe. Earl Ninsome is going to be opening up Phuket Cafe sooner rather than later. In the old, that, uh, isn't that Atala country space. Cat the, isn't Oh, the, the old, old Atala. Atala. That's
0: Atala. Yeah. I thought he was moving Longbon there.
3: Longbon and Fouquet Cafe. They're oh, both share, of them share yes. share the space.
0: All right. Yes. Okay. Thanks for clearing that and up. Lazy I gotta Susan. Pay, I got to pay more attention.
3: Lazy Susan, which is uh, right, part of Earl's restaurant group, is is in the old Country Cat space.
0: Right. Right. Thank you. And so, how many restaurants does Earl have now?
3: I don't. I can't. Uh, seven, eight, like Paddy, Hot Yai, Long Bon, Phuket Cafe.
0: So is he, is he the king of port? Is he the king of Portland now?
3: Well, he got a James Beard. Not well, he's gotten in the past, but James Beard Outstanding restaurateur. So he was a mm-hmm. semifinalist again. I think this is his second or third time getting, being named a semifinalist.
0: It's pretty incredible considering his. He started very humbly yes i mean i remember when he just had paddy and i just met him and he was the nicest guy and um yeah it's so cool to see him doing well now and he's he's still a a very humble man and just a gracious person um and it's great to see his his uh can we call it an empire i don't know it's a it's a world his food world growing
3: i have another new restaurant well it did open up during the pandemic I waited a while before I went to visit this place and it's called Takibi which is back by Snow Peak. Mhm. And I read about that. When I I'd, I'd heard there was an original chef who I know the name of but I won't mention his name. He he wasn't from here but um I'd heard the food was a little bit rocky initially. And then I heard that Cody Auger from Nibblefish had taken over the kitchen. And at that time, uh, Gregory Gorday and I decided to go with Tia, his BFF, Tia Vantage. And mm-hmm. we went maybe a month ago, and it was a, f- a fantastic meal. Mm, black cod, chicken karage, the sashimi, and... and the, the secret weapon, and not maybe not-so-secret weapon, is Takibi. The bar, bar program is headed up by the beverage director, Jim Meehan, who founded one of the best bars in the world in New York City called uh, PDT, Please Don't Tell. And uh, the the bar manager is Lydia uh, McLuhan, who came from Dotar, Kex. But she worked at other places, too. And the two of them are making, creating... I think the best, my favorite cocktail. I'll just say my favorite cocktail. Who knows if they're the best? My favorite cocktails in Portland. So Cody Auger's food and Lydia and Jim's cocktails. And Heart-
0: Cody Auger, almost everything he touches or everything he touches is is really good. I mean, when I met him at Hokusai years ago, yeah, he was he was doing some pretty incredible stuff um then and that was a long time ago that was a long time ago yeah so um good for him i have to get there so many on my bucket list i i was just reflecting as you were talking on how ignorant i seem right now about the whole scene but things have changed and i'll i'll get i'll get back into it a little you know i'll get up to speed a little bit more i feel bad that i was misplacing uh Earl's restaurants, but um, I I know it's awesome that he's using that Atala space in such a beautiful way. So um, it's nice to have to see that, and I can't wait to go there. So baseball, my friend. Let's talk a little yeah. bit baseball. We we're, we're not gonna. I don't know. You think we're gonna see it anytime soon? And what the fuck? Larger bases and. Pitch clock. clocks and uh, this is insane.
3: It's not insane. I mean, I'm not a traditionalist. They they have to speed up the game. I think last year, if I'm not mistaken, the average game was three hours and twelve minutes. You just can't do that. I don't care. Then
0: stop. Then just let go back to letting the umpires make the damn calls again instead of the the constant constant stoppages for stupid uh,
3: reviews. No, it's not the reviews. It's the batters and the pitchers taking forever in between pitches. It's the don't think getting those out of the reviews
0: bat- are slowing the game down? They're not only in a time manner, but they're just cutting into the, the momentum of the game. It just sucks. We can't,
3: I think each team has a certain number of reviews, like one review. it's, it's, it's We all know why the game's as long. It's it's the batter stepping in and out of the boxes. If they weren't allowed to step out of the box, look how many times the batter says, timeout, timeout, timeout. Just watch it during the game. It's ridiculous. They got to get the 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 average game down to two and a half hours. It's become a regional sport because of the idiocy that's going on with the game and the and the length of the game. And it's it's also because
0: people don't have large attention spans either. So there was a time when actually slow pace was nice, and now people can't deal with that because they're used to hundred forty. 130 character Twitter feeds But Chris we, we have TikTok the longest videos. games
3: ever in the history in the you know how far baseball goes back over 100 years 3 hours and 12 minutes for a game please people are just they're bored with the game it's such a slow game okay. yeah okay attention span sure but and also it's a number of, it used to be where stars would go 9 innings right you'd have the, the best stars pitching 30 complete games Starters go four innings now, and there's like 38 pitchers pitching in a in a in a stupid right. game I, well, every I game. I,
0: I agree with that, but I also, you know, I'm a Mets fan, so I watch a broadcast team that's pretty forthright and very honest. They don't pull any punches when the Mets do something stupid. They say it and they point out. So having watched their broadcast, I've seen a, so many times where they have delayed the game for five minutes on a call that anybody could have seen. And it just takes too long to do the reviews. And the reviews just, to me, get in the way of, just like pitching changes, get in the way of the momentum of the game. And um, yeah, I, I guess, I don't I, know. I, I, I hadn't even heard of the larger bases until two days ago. What, when did that come about?
3: I, well, first of all, we don't know if that's ever going to... I mean, we, because right now it's just a mess. I don't think we're going to get 162 games. I don't know if we'll get a season. I, I got to think they're not going to let the whole season just get... just to disintegrate, I don't think. But it it sounds like both sides, both the players and the owners are intransigent in their views. And now the players say, well, let's just say that we can get... maybe play 140 games. The, the players want to be paid for 162 and that you know the owners at a certain point aren't are, are just not gonna agree to right. something like that let's say there are 100 games Do you think that and the players want to be paid for 162 games no way don't just say screw you i'm gonna walk away good luck see you next year i i don't think yeah. the season will blow up but if you were betting how many games will be played this year chris if you were betting
0: oh boy uh i can't say i've been glued to this, but if I was betting, I'd say they'll end up with a hundred game season.
3: Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. But right. I-
0: and but let me do something because there are certainly folks listening to this podcast that will have tuned out because they're not into baseball and they sure. don't understand it. Let me ask you this. I can tell this. So it was years ago, but we did a, uh, you know, we, my sons and I did a cross country baseball tour of most all major league stadiums have you gone to enough to be able to rate some hot dogs your favorite hot dogs oh, along the way no
3: i'm not i don't like seeing uh any sports <laughs> in in person i just prefer to see it in in uh on a tv set
0: okay but i'm so i'm going to say that my favorite experience overall was uh pnc right um not necessarily the hot dogs per se but they had uh, the the act of crossing the Roberto Clemente Bridge to go to the game uh, was fantastic. I think the best – I don't even remember my ratings, but I think they were uh, in Colorado. The Rockies had a great hot dog. The worst was a Dodger dog okay. by far. It was Why? so I've, shitty. I, I have had the Well, Dodger my expectations dog. were high too. And boy, it was just a – it was just tasteless. It was worse than a, it was worse than a uh, a dirty water dog in New York City. So well, I actually um, like
3: those hot dogs in New York City off the. Street. I don't mind
0: them either, but I mean, when everybody's talking about a Dodger dog and it's the greatest thing since sliced buns, no, it wasn't. It's probably it was, fifteen dollars now,
3: or when it went probably last year, I, it was like fifteen dollars. I don't know. I, I don't
0: know. So I don't know how crazy it is, but I'll share this with you. I did the math back when Mike Piazza was playing. So this is another generation ago in baseball, when I took my kids and I did the math on. I went up and ordered two hot, three hot dogs for us. Uh, you know, a beer, a couple. Of sodas. let me guess
3: how much. And, yeah, let me. I'll guess how much. Okay. What yeah, else? What else did you have?
0: It wasn't much, but I I only know this. I oh. know I did the math on what the equivalent. Amount would have been if Mike Piazza, based on his salary, spent the same percentage of his salary that I spent on mine oh. to go get that hot dog, and it was thirty-three thousand dollars. It would have cost him to get. A hot- this is twenty years ago. So you, so you do remember was, how yeah. much
3: it cost you? I, I wanted to guess, but you did remember. You do remember how much it cost at the time? Uh,
0: yes, I know about where it was. Okay,
3: it ha- we had three hot dogs, three three sodas in what?
0: Three sodas a beer.
3: Okay. And three hot dogs. Two sodas
0: two sodas and a beer. And I think probably some popcorn. I don't think we got fries. I'm not a big fry I person think twenty years ago?
3: Product. So two thousand. So that cost eighty dollars.
0: No. No, it was about forty then. Oh. Now it's probably about eighty. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, it was funny. In those days when that was two well, that was different. That was Shea Stadium, but when I did the trips around the country, the stadium tours, two thousand two and two thousand three, it's funny to think that I didn't even budget in fuel to go across the country, because the first time we got to California, my it was the first time we ever saw gas over two dollars a gallon oh. in two thousand two, and now I just saw it for six fifty a gallon in Lake Tahoe the, <laughs> four days ago. <laughs> And and um, also we didn't budget in the food because it wasn't that it wasn't that big a deal. Now, at the stadiums, I'd have to budget in food.
3: God so only knows how much. It's Pretty crazy. God only knows how much because I, I obviously I, I I don't go to stadiums, so I don't know how much the food is at these stadiums. But it's got to be astronomical.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you're talking about A five experiences for a thousand dollars. Well, oh, okay, so, yeah,
3: but you know, I mean. It
0: really only gets astronomical if you're feeding kids because if you're just feeding yourself I mean the beers are I think last time I went to I went to city field uh, within the last year for sure and um, or last two years anyway, I think the beers are up around uh, twelve dollars and the sodas are six or seven really that's Hot dogs all- yeah are de- that's not definitely terrible. up around ten yeah hot dogs are about ten something like that. Uh, so uh no it's not it's not terrible but the you know the tickets hey hey you want to talk about sports we had season tickets to the jets in the joe Namath days oh my what do you think what do you think season tickets so what did they play in those days seven home games right plus the playoffs but yeah so you bought yeah seven home games mezzanine box seats plus parking what do you think that was like total or per game well, I've got to do the math right now because I know what the tickets were. So hold on a second. Uh, uh, go ahead. Try to try to
3: guess total for the whole season. The whole season, two tickets. Four. Four tickets, whole season, seven home games. Us. Uh, so let me think. Fifty. 100, oh, no wait, Wait. Plus, 50, plus, par- plus parking. Wait. Okay. Sixty times four hundred and twenty. 420 270 plus parking
0: 275 <laughs> for the whole season 275 dollars and we had diamond club passes which allowed you to go to their, their luxury club and have a nice meal before the game that wasn't included but we had the, we had access to it for that. How that's, that that's the price of a half a seat right now to a, to a jets game I would imagine yeah I would imagine yeah, right? I, I would
3: imagine, yeah. Half a seat Well, works. I don't know. The Jets suck. So, so maybe maybe, maybe it's still the same price, given how well they played. I,
0: I don't know. But the, the, what's interesting is they didn't suck then. They I know. They paid Joe Namath a $400,000 signing bonus in 1967, was it? Yeah, 67- 66 can't believe i know this so i i have a better brain when it comes to that stuff than i do who's in what space in portland right now with a restaurant
3: but they're only good for a very short period of time but they got a super bowl so that's all that matters you can win a super bowl and suck the rest of the the rest of the they
0: change listen they changed football joe namath changed football forever because if they hadn't won that super bowl the nfl might not look like the what it looks right now
3: because they helped with them they helped create forced the merger right
0: Right. Wait. Yeah. If the Jets, if the Jets hadn't won that because they were eighteen right. point underdogs, you would have had the first three Super Bowls: Green Bay kicking Oakland's ass, then Kansas City's ass, and then Baltimore just kicking the Jets out. That merger wouldn't have happened. Right. They were too. They were too disparate. Disparate at the time. Is that a word? I
3: think yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. Um. Anyway. So I hope we play baseball. That's all I got left. I'm not. I'm not really a. I haven't followed the Blazers at all. What's going on with Damian Lillard? I used to care about that.
3: I have been predicting for years. Well, I've been saying for years that they should trade CJ and Damian. You can ask Karen Brooks. You can ask Jasper Shin, You can ask any. You can ask Mike. You can ask Michael. You, I I tell everyone you got to trade either one or both because well, for various reasons. But I, I, I he's he still has his abdo- abdominal surgery. I don't think he will come back because they're tanking right now on purpose. Uh they're trying to lose every single game from here on out so they can keep their first draft pick, which is lottery protected, and get the uh, a good draft position in this year's draft. And we'll see if Damien forces a trade this summer. I think he should because we're still very young. If he wants to stay with a rebuilding team, I don't know what the point would be. And next, not this next draft in the NBA, but the following draft, there's a generational talent. A guy who has the defensive ability of Rudy Gobert and the offensive ability of Joel Embiid and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And his name is Victor Wimbenyama. I've been telling everyone about Wimbenyama since he was 16 16 years old. He's a French uh, phenomenon. He's amazing. Victor Wimbenyama, you heard it from Gary the Foodie. And we'll see. And, and
0: Gary the hoop.
3: Gary the Gary the sports guy.
0: Gary the hoopster. Yep. <laughs> Gary the sports guy. So, but how likely is it that they get him? Is that something that it's, they it's, go it's over a, there a, and sign him?
3: No, it's a pie shot. It's a moonshot because even if, even if they have the worst record in the NBA next season, they will only have a fourteen percent chance of getting him. The right. first, yeah, the that's one, I thought. the three worst teams in the NBA. Um, have a four, each have a fourteen percent chance of getting the number one pick. And Wimbin Yama is gonna be the uh, number one pick. He's not gonna fall to two, he's not gonna fall to three. So even if we lose every single game next year, go 0 for 82, 14% chance of getting him. So And shot. then
0: on top of the 14% chance, then you have what well, let's let's go back to the last time. That the Blazers were well, yeah. the number one pick, Big what they syndrome. did with it's,
3: that. It, well, it's just not Odin. It's it's yeah. Bowie. It's Bill Walton. Anytime we draft a good center, he's gonna break something. Like literally, he's gonna his career is gonna <laughs> be altered by coming to Portland. We just I feel bad for any center that we select in the in the in the in the first round because there's a jinx. You th- and
0: you think that jinx will go on? Oh
3: God! I feel yeah. I, uh, I I hope not. I hope I'm just joking about this jinx, but it's kind of been proven. the big The big man jinx.
0: Yeah, but it's got to end at some point. I mean, the Red Sox won the World Series. The Cubs won the World Series. Right. Those were big giant. Those were bigger jinxes than you're talking about here. Right.
3: So yeah, if we if we have a chance to get Wimbenyama, of course we're not going to turn it down because we're afraid that he's going to. Break his foot and never play a basketball game again. So, yeah, I mean, but it's like I said, moonshot. Moonshot. But, yeah, I'm I, I just, you know, I'm watching Blazers games now and hoping that they lose. Like, I'm, you know, we had a good loss against Minnesota. We lost like 40 points. A good loss. <laughs> we had
0: a good loss. A
3: good loss, man. We're not even close. So- solid,
0: solid. Solid. There was loss. no chance yeah, they I'm
3: like, I'm watching the games <laughs> because I'm just thinking, oh, yeah, you got, it. don't make that shot. What's that? Miss that layup. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big Blazer fan. Is that
0: the way it should be, though? I mean, that's insane. I know. I, and and yeah. it's going to be – it's not going to end. This is not ending next year and the year after that. It's going to go on for a long time. It's pain. And let me ask you how my old team, the Knicks, that I cared about way back when, when I was, you know, in those same jet days and I was a Knicks fan. Are they, are they any better now? Are we, well, we going to get no, to see a New York team? Here's
3: the deal. Damien said that he considered going to the Knicks. Mm. And then what the Knicks are doing right now is they they ha- they have R.J. Barrett from Duke, who they drafted in the first round a couple years ago. They just traded for Cam Reddish, who played with R.J. Barrett on the same team. They're the same age, and guess what? There was a third Dukie who is part of that recruiting class with Barrett and Cam Reddish, and his name is Zion Williamson. And Zion hasn't sh- hasn't signed an extension he could take a one-year deal next year and then go to the Knicks
0: all right so they could be good it, again and then it's been so many years trade
3: for Lillard we get Julius Randall back Lillard Zion Williamson in New York City
0: so do you think do you think it's uh Damien is gonna make Portland cry and do really well when he goes anywhere else
3: no I mean like I, I I, I I want him to win a championship or at least get to that level, and he's not going to mm-hmm. do it for Portland. Even if he comes back next year and the, we have the team that we have, he's not going to win a championship. Yeah. Let him try to win the big one. Trade him to the Knicks if he all wants right. to go. To the Knicks, let him go to the Knicks.
0: I think that would be great. I'd like to root for them again. I just haven't watched any basketball in a long time. Knicks are I'm, hard to watch, of, man. I'm out of the NFL. I can't watch the NFL anymore. Well, it just at all. really suck.
3: But the Jets will get better. Yeah, I, no, the Jets. It was easy.
0: It was easy to become not a Jet fan from the point. I don't know if I've ever discussed it on this podcast my interactions with Joe Namath, and I mean I'm really aging myself here, but uh, you know my experiences with them were incredible, and I just couldn't. Get, I can't even name a player on their team anymore. That's where. That's where. Oh, it here, is. here's my... and you know I went. I went with my kids, and I sent them a letter back in. 1996 or 97. And I got a response from Steve Gutman, who is the president of the Jets. And I will tell you this. Uh, I was I believe I was personally responsible for them going back to their old uniforms because he asked me what they should do. And when I told him go back to the winning uniforms and not those pieces of shit you've had for 20 years, he acted surprised that he'd never thought of that. And then 3 months later it came out that they said Bill Parcells decided to go back to the old uniforms <laughs> but I was in on that earlier so um, anyway I'm proud of that but
3: they'll be good no wait. my prediction is they'll, they'll be they'll be they'll be they'll be in the playoffs within 3 years that's our the prediction jets, jets.
0: Wow! Nice. Three years. It would be nice to see. You Three again. years. I mean, they've been so, they've been so shitty for so long, but I just can't even. I can't. You talk about the delays in baseball. I have you ever gone to a football game while the commercials are going on? No. and How long that lasts? No, I, oh can, I can. I can only imagine. They stop at, They stop everything and blast the some sort of music on the PA system, and you sit there with your kids for. It seems like ten minutes waiting for something to happen. It's just the worst. One
3: word: so. red zone. Red zone. What? You don't know what the red zone is? No. It's yeah. It's they show every single game that's being played at any one time on an NFL Sunday, and so yeah. you go from game to game. You talk about attention span. Uh, it, it's a, yeah. It's but a if best. you're
0: if you're a t- if you're a fan of one team, I know it makes it hard. And why would you want? Why would you want to do that? Because so, everyone I plays fantasy. So, listen, so thank you. I have to thank you, Gary, for giving you, I don't necessarily know that it's been a fantasy of mine in recent years, but I grew up wanting to be a sports broadcaster. So, you just gave me, I'm sitting here looking at myself with a mic, talking sports with you. Man, I've never done that before. So, thanks for that experience. I appreciate it. I think people
3: have turned off the podcast oh yeah you and i are the only only ones left but it's sports (laughs) Sports. you love the jets that's why i wanted to bring the hot dogs
0: up i thought i thought maybe it was a save to talk a little bit about hot dogs but um but no it's uh it's a pleasure and you know so much more than i do so i just need to guide you a little bit you can you can do the whole thing but But thank you for everything i can
3: oh once again thank you for having me on i'm glad we got to talk a little bit of sports and um you're a beleaguered. I
0: appreciate it.
3: You're a beleaguered.
0: I appreciate it.
3: You're a beleaguered New York fan, but uh, the Mets will be very, very good, very, very soon, and the Jets will too, and even the, maybe the Knicks have a chance.
0: Oh, I'll, I'm I'm optimistic about the Mets from here on in because we have the wealthiest yeah. owner in pro sports. So I don't know. That's going to be very interesting, and I really. It bothers me how much money these guys are making. I just it bothers me. I think it's just ridiculous, Um, but whatever. I'll take I'll take Max Scherzer and Starling Marte.
3: Don't forget Starling Marte.
0: Starling Marte and yeah, I I'm looking forward to seeing what's going on. I'm even uh, oh my god, I can't even think. But yes, there's a lot. I'm glad to have a 340 million dollar shortstop who's got to prove himself over 10 years.
3: So, oh that's a, that's nothing for steve cohen
0: yeah no so um anyway gary thank, thank you so you. much um where are you where are you gonna eat tonight
3: i'm gonna have um some domino's that's my dinner
0: that's it. that's it that's what you're doing that's it what's your favorite domino's pizza what what is your if you go to a pizza place what's your what do you order
3: i usually like sausage any, any type of sausage pizza
0: you and me both, that to me is, is an, indi- how they do the sausage is an indication, much like when we had uh, Brian Spangler on the mm-hmm. podcast who, you know, he's, he's all about the crust and I am too, that's important, but I, I like to see how that sausage is too. So um, that's important. I still need to get you, I'll never get you out here, but there's great pizza marzanas <laughs> in Manzanita.
3: So, well, thank you. So,
0: Thank you, but they don't have Dominoes out here. I got to go a long way to get anything like that. Yeah, so, um, but at any rate, thank you so much, Gary, for joining us. Enjoy your Domino's pizza and uh, let's have you back sooner rather than later. And by the way, are you on Instagram today?
3: I am on Instagram today.
0: All right, I I need to say I haven't said it yet. I hate Instagram now. I can't stand it. It's uh, I can't even look at it because it's all TikTok videos. That's all oh, I get I didn't know. on my feed. I, I
3: I don't know about TikTok videos. I I kind of people. No, dance. I'm just saying. I don't know when I look
0: at my when I look at my feed. Yeah. Right. I don't have to. All I see. I've written Instagram are videos of people I don't know. Car crashes people dancing. I can't stand it. I never get to see you. I had to, now I've had to go in and and indicate I want to be notified when you post something, which is cool, but anybody I want to see, if I want to see a photograph, I have to do that, do it that way or decide to go to them. But when I I can't scroll and look at what's going on with restaurants or anything on Instagram anymore, and that is you know what? That explains it. That's why I don't I, I showed my ignorance here. I used to use Instagram. As a, as a way to find out what was going on. Now I guess it's Facebook, but restaurants oh, aren't no, focusing not, on Facebook. It's not
3: Facebook, no, no.
0: I know. So I can't, what happened to my Instagram? Somebody out there write me and tell me how to fix this. But literally, the only still images I see on Instagram are sponsored ads. Everything else is a stupid video, and I've written them and asked them to fix my algorithm, but it doesn't happen. All right, there's a rant. How many rants have I done? A few. Have you let me do on this? Yeah, a few. So thanks for that opportunity. I like to rant a little bit. And uh, I appreciate it. You know what? This is very nice. We haven't had a chance to talk since we went to ringside. And we have to do something like that again.
3: I will. Okay. Thank you. All right, man. Have a nice week. All right.
0: You too. Have a good week and a good month too. Thanks. And a great uh, the rest of your fifties. I hope they're the best. And what is the actual day?
3: Oh, uh, you don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't, don't want to oh, okay. think about it. I don't want to think about my birthday. I hate the worst day of the year. I normally you look great. Really hate. No, the, it's good. Really hate my birthday. It's uh, it is my least favorite day of the year.
0: Really? Oh yeah. Is that because you don't like people making a big deal out of it?
3: That and the fact that. You're one year older to your grave.
0: But think about the wisdom that you have. i That's what I learned to embrace at 59 <sighs> and 364 days and 12 hours. Somehow it came to me that, oh, my God, there's something to embrace about this. I'm going to be positive about okay. this. And well, it hit
3: me. Maybe it, I will. So we'll maybe see. it'll
0: hit you on the same day. But I just like, you know what? I like this. It's okay. So enjoy your 60s.
3: Thank They're you. It's going to be great. Okay. See you later.
2: Okay, bye. bye. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com.